This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr. Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher. This is A Voice. Hello and welcome to This is A Voice Season 7, Episode 7. A podcast where we get vocal about voice. I'm Jeremy Fisher. And I'm Dr. Gillian Kayes. And we have just been discussing comfort zone, when you should be in it, and when you can come out of it. We both feel quite strongly about this, the whole business of comfort zone. I think when you are performing, you should be in your comfort zone. That's the one place where you should not be out of your comfort zone. Because when you're performing, you want to be absolutely on top of what you're doing. Having said that, when should you be out of your comfort zone? Uh, rehearsals, obviously, um, but also when you're learning, when you're growing, when you're moving your business forwards, when you're moving your your life forwards, actually, that's when you need to be out of your comfort zone. And we were very recently out of our comfort zone. Oh, boy. And were we stretching ourselves? <laughs> yes. Anyone who's watching, you'll have just seen this. Jeremy, uh, just remind people what we have been doing. OK, Gillian is holding up the programme for the 30th Congress of Union of the European Phoniatricians, which was taking place in Turkey last week. And uh, we've just come back from there. It was so good. And the question really is, why did we do it? What were we doing there? We are not phoniatricians. We're not laryngologists. We're not SLTs or SLPs. There were quite a few singing voice practitioners there, though, weren't there? There were were a handful, yeah. Yeah, and a bit more than a handful. So this is our professional development. We think professional development is so important. Uh, Okay, Mm. so why is it important? Why is professional development good for you? Gosh, um, you stretch yourself and therefore you grow. Yep. You broaden your horizons. It's a different environment. It's different colleagues. It's different cultures. So just the fact of being there opens your mind. You're watching experts in their field share their knowledge and wisdom. And actually, what was so wonderful about this community, you know, in the medical community, it is sharing. And Mm. the reason for that is you cannot have success in medicine without teamwork. Medicine depends upon teamwork. It's absolutely built into the whole diagnosis, the, the operations, the, the post-operation therapy. There's all mm. sorts of things. And diagnostics yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the diagnostics things, it was so good. One of the things that I went to see, we're going to do highlights from what we mm. saw. Mm. One of the things that I went to see was Rehab Awad doing her presentation. And it was all about how a voice clinic works, what the roles are. And this is particularly for SLTs, speech language therapists, or SLPs, speech language pathologists, depending on which country you come from, what you call them. And that makes me think there's something that was really nice about this particular conference. First of all, we'd never been to Turkey before. And uh, it was held at the Xanadu uh, Convention Centre. I think it's the Xanadu Convent. It's not the convent. It wasn't held at the convent. Five-star hotel. Very, very nice. Lovely accommodation. So, I mean, you're in a different environment and that's good for you as well um, and with different colleagues and also people coming from different geographical regions. Yes. I mean, the conference is delivered in English. Yeah, and from so many different countries. So that was really fascinating. Yes. So um, what was so great about watching Rehab work was... She was talking about diagnosis. She was talking about the whole process of finding out what someone's voice problem might be. And the diagnosis that she uses is so close to the diagnosis 
procedures that we use when we're teaching our teachers or when we're doing masterclasses or when we're just listening to students. And it's so good to hear that what you're doing matches so closely with the medical. And we had a similar insight, didn't we? Or It's, it's almost a, like a sense of affirmation, if you like, mm. um, watching Tori Burney, who's another British yep. um, speech and language therapist, yes. talk about how she works with singers. Um, and I think that brings me to one of the other aspects of, you know, doing a professional development exercise, if you like, or event like this, mm. which is as well as being stretched and getting new perspectives, you also get confirmation and affirmation of some things that you're doing that you're doing well. Very it's much. sort of like a reflection point. And we all need that, particularly in our profession, because we work in such a vacuum. Well, I wrote down a phrase which really meant something to me, which is discovering where you sit in the world. Mm. And I think that's really important. You know, I'm mm. doing a lot of career coaching and a lot of career mentoring at the moment. And Part of that is to find where you sit, where you where you are, where you work, what level you're at, um, what you can do to grow, what you can do to expand, and also where your real strengths are. I have to say, one of the most fascinating things for me always is to watch an expert work in their field. Mm. So good. And it doesn't matter to me whether it's a, a speech-language pathologist, whether it's a surgeon, whether it's a potter, whether it's an artist, it really doesn't matter. It's watching somebody who is really expert at what they do, just doing what they do. So fascinating. It's inspiring, isn't it? And we all need that. So Jeremy, you talked a little bit about two um, British practitioners. Yes. Um, Rehab Arwad, who's a phoniatrician, yep. an MD and a speech and language therapist. Yes. Um, and Tori Burney. And they're at... They both practice in London. Yes. I want to talk a little bit about extreme vocal sounds. Okay. Because we hear a lot about them these days. And there were two presentations on uh, these at the conference. One from someone we hadn't met before, an Italian practitioner called Eleonora Bruni, who I think is in Rome. Um, and she did a lovely, very lively presentation, uh, wasn't it? She and did. you really got the sense of care in the way that people are learning to make these sounds. Uh, she had uh, video endoscopic footage of what was going on. And it was lovely to hear her also talk about therapeutic um, application of some of the work that goes on in extreme vocals. It was also very interesting for me mm. because um, she actually did the presentation before mine uh, on the second day I think we were on mm. and it was very interesting she was talking about the emotional impact of distortion and uh, or, you know types of distortion and that was very close to what I was talking about with it, which is the emotional impact of onsets and offsets and it was a real that's often what happens when you go to a conference is that you realize there are lots of areas that people overlap and that you have connection with mm, very much so and by the way one of the arts of presenting at an event like this is something that Jeremy did, <laughs> which is you're you're in there, you're in the vibe, you're in your session, yeah. you're getting nervous. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's not going to share with you, but I will. He was out shivering in a corner before his um, event. I mean, actually, I will I will share this because it was very funny. Mm. What was happening was that you know I was getting very nervous because you have basically. I mean, I'll tell you the story later, but. Uh, you have only a few moments to to make your mark or to do whatever it is that you do. Mm. And so I was, I think, third in the programme in yeah. that particular session. 
And so I was sitting there going, you know, I'm I'm staying calm, I'm doing my thing. And then suddenly started coughing. Mm -hmm. And I don't cough normally. It's not Mm. something that's part of my medical makeup. But I could not stop. I actually had to leave the room and go and have a coughing fit. And I still don't know what that was about. But the part of the problem for me was that a lot of my presentation was demonstrations of some real fine tuning. And with all the coughing, I thought, I don't know what's going to come out at all, which just puts a little bit of extra pressure on what Nobody would have known. It was very good. Mm. Um, But anyway, what I was going to say, that was a nice diversion. Thank you. Is that if you have got to sit there through other people's presentations and you feel nervous, Stay present. That Mm. was something you said to me for mine, wasn't it? Be present. Listen to what other people say. And it's actually very nice to gently back refer to something and say, you know, oh, Eleonora spoke about this. And here where I'm talking about onsets and onsets, it's about perceived emotion um, and how people respond to them. And they they change the onsets, change the emotion. Yes. And um, I think... I think that's a very useful thing to remember. Talking more about extreme vocal sounds, I'm sure most of our singing voice listeners will be very familiar with the work of Complete Vocal Technique. Catherine Sadelin and the researcher Matthias Oehn, and together with Julian McGlashan, who is um, a laryngologist. And I know, we've probably said this before, but Julian did our very first endoscopy he videos, did, yes. which is 2006, I mm. think. It was so nice to see him there at the conference, actually, and have a good chat. Yeah, and those are the voice box videos which are in the Learning Lounge Deep Dive. And I've seen, you know, Catherine or Matthias present uh, several times on um, extreme vocal sounds. But this time for me, the experience was different. And perhaps that's maybe to do with the way that I learn. Um, I loved the way now that they're talking about the extreme vocal effects, you know, obviously they have their own labeling system uh, happening in different zones of the vocal tract. Mm. Uh, And it was very clear the way that Catherine was guiding us through. And obviously the endoscopic um, and the stroboscopic footage is very good. Um, and finding out that you can be doing these extreme vocals at different levels of the vocal tract. And then back referring to um, what Eleonora said, she also commented that people have different words for the same sound. And it seems to me that this is this is still an emergent field, that what's happened, I mean, if you think about Melissa Cross, for example, mm. um, and someone who's done quite a lot of work with us, um, Aliki Katriou, yep. um, they're all doing um, extreme vocal sounds and they all have their ways into it. Yep. And what we really need to do is get all these people together and say, well, we call this that Mm. and this is what's going on so that maybe we'll arrive at some kind of a consensus I think that would be good Um, I also wanted to say that um, in Catherine's work they are also looking at um, therapeutic uses of extreme vocal effects to perhaps change um, the patterning of people who are having difficulties with their voice and I have to say I think that's fascinating because Mm. that's a very unusual usage And I did two types of growl myself, and I'm very, very pleased. And no, I'm not going to demonstrate them today. I want to talk about nerves, because, you know, you may be listening and going, well, okay, so we know we've written 11 books, we've written two chapters, we've been presenting together for 25 years, we've been presenting separately for 40. 
Uh, I'm an, a musical director. I am absolutely used to performing. I, I was doing hundreds of performances a year. So what's with the nerves thing? And the answer is, it doesn't really get any easier. Even in our 60s, it really doesn't get any easier. Uh, it's also was the same, because what you're doing... Somebody told me this once, and I really liked it, because I already all I always assumed that what you were doing was you were getting nervous and you were trying to create energy in your body to, to be able to do this job. And somebody told me it's not that at all. It's that actually that you are responding to the room, you're responding to the other people, and it's the energy in the atmosphere that you are harnessing, if you like. That makes it slightly easier for me. I had something happen which I thought was quite interesting, and it's never really been this clear before, which is I was there with my topic, and I am I know that topic. I'm very good on it. I've done workshops on it, you know, the whole onsets and offsets mm. thing, and I had nine different ones to play with. Well, it's in the Learning Lounge, isn't it's, it? It's, in, it's part of um, Best, Best Practice, Practice Update mm-hmm. in the Learning Lounge Deep Dive, but it's a sort of much more practical workshop arena. So I knew what I was doing. But the thing that really worried me is I didn't know where I fitted in the Mm -hmm. whole program, in the whole curriculum, because it was so operation-based and laryngology-based and... Very much medically-based. Very much Mm -hmm. medic side of it. And I'm thinking, well, here I am doing a practical workshop for, for voice things. How does it fit... Am I just going to stick out like a sore thumb? Am I not going to get any interaction? What's going on? I'm not nodding because I thought you stuck out like a sore thumb, but <laughs> Thank you. we both had this conversation. It was very interesting because mm. in a way it was the only real challenge for me, which is how do mm. I work out where I fit in? Mm. And I am not the sort of person who will go, this is my topic and this is what I do and I don't care what anyone else around me is doing. I'm just going to do it. Thank you. Bye. I don't do that. Mm. I mean, you know, I'm a collaborative musician. I have been for decades. And I want to know where everything fits together and how it all works together. So that was the real challenge, was to find out how it worked and where my place was. And as soon as I'd got that, I stopped being more nervous Mm. because I knew where I fitted and I knew what was going to happen. That's interesting, isn't it? Um, I mean, it's not on our list, by the way. We've got a list of topics today. (laughs) Performance nerves are not on the list. Nope. But as we've gone there, yep. I'm going to say that uh, for my um, panel session, my roundtable, uh, I went in and you know bumped into the into our our space, and um, the first person I spoke to was our chair, who's mm. um, Professor Doctor Bernard Richter of the Freiburg Institute of Music Performance. Yes, and uh, he said, "How are you feeling?" And I said, "Well." I am a living, walking example of performance nerves, you know, because that's how I felt. And it takes a while, you know, to sort of settle from that. We know we need those performance nerves because they help us to mentally upload or physically upload, if we're a physical performer, Mm -hmm. um, into peak level. Yes, actually. It's actually quite worrying if you don't have the nerves at all. Yeah. Because it actually feels like you can't get to the, to the state that you need to be in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know one of the things that really helps me, and it matches me with what you've just said, Jeremy, I connect with the audience. Mm. So pretty much unplanned, I decided to start my um, introduction to the panel and why we were doing it by saying, who's had a singer with a voice problem? Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to connect with the audience. As mm. soon as I've done that, 
I'm much more comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, this is another reason why I think being in your comfort zone is really, mm. really important when you're performing or when you're lecturing or when mm. you're giving a demonstration, whatever it is. We have different ways of dealing with nerves, but there is a similarity, which is once we get on our topic, we know that we're fine. I knew that once I started doing the demonstrations and doing the analysis in my workshop, as soon as I started that, I knew I would be fine because I knew I was very solid on that. You were in your comfort zone. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I was in my comfort zone talking about how to deal with singers who are having a voice problem in you know, a singing teacher setting. Yes. Mm. I want to go back to um, why professional development, because, you know, we're still doing it. Mm. And one of the big ones for me is it stops you getting stuck. Mm -hmm. You know, there is, it can be quite, become quite incestuous if you just do what you do and you go around doing what you do and there's no other input and there's no other viewpoint. Mm. I think uh, the difficulty with that is it gets stuck and if it gets really stuck, you can start to become a cult. Yes, I think that is unfortunately true. And it's sort um, in a way, just to put it another way, you start to believe what you do, what you say. Yes. And of course, you must behind, be behind whatever it is that you, you teach or you say. Um, but it's different from a belief system. Yes. And what happens when you go to these kind of events is that if you are holding beliefs... Oh, boy, are they shaken. And, and bodies of knowledge, they get challenged. Yes. And then, you know, if it's a good event, you can put your hand up and say, oh, that surprised me. Can I ask you a question about that? Yes. And then you learn. Yes. Okay. Um, Jeremy. Yes. You watched a number of voice operations okay. uh, on in okay. relation to transgender voice. I Would did. you like to tell people about that? I did. When the programme first came out, before I go into the transgender thing, I want to tell the story because when the programme first came out, I'd applied to do an hours workshop um, and my hours workshop just disappeared apparently in the programme and I was not the only person that this happened to. I found myself being in a what they called a panel which basically boiled down to well you've got 10 minutes. And this is because so many people wanted to go to that conference and they had not been able to run that conference for five years. Yep. It's biennial yep. due to COVID. Yes. So this is the first time in five years and so many people applied. Mm. So what they did was they mm. put various people within groups that had a sort of overall topic, sort of. Mm -hmm. And it's very sort of sometimes. Uh, so I found myself in this um, group of people who were, it was called Lectures on Singing. And I thought, okay, that means I've got about 10 minutes. So I, and I know what happens in these things is that whoever is doing the timekeeping is never efficient. So I thought, right, I'll take my hour workshop. And I actually got it down to a six minute presentation. I was going fast, but it was like six minute presentation. So what then happened was that they hadn't realised all the difficulties of it and so people were double booked on it so every so often somebody we'd get another message going oh somebody's dropped out because they're doing something else mm -hmm. in a different room mm -hmm. so on the day it was like well we're down to six that's fine okay so you have like 12 minutes and then we were down to five okay you have 15 minutes and then we were down to four okay you have 20 minutes mm -hmm. so this this presentation that I was doing just kept expanding and contracting and it's like I still know what I'm doing and when I got up to do it I said right well this has gone from six minutes to an hour and back again. So just tell me when to stop. 
I'll carry on until somebody waves. And you, and also by doing that, you did something which is a great icebreaker. You made us all laugh. Yeah. We all connected with yeah. you, and yeah. that's important as well. Yeah. So okay, operation. Uh, right. One of the, the it was the when I first saw the program, I was my thing was directly clashing with this, and I was so disappointed because of everything in the program. This was the one I wanted to see the most, and then they moved it so I could see it. Right. It was. Uh, transgender operations, male to female voice operations. Mm. And it was stunning. So the first thing is 10 transgender surgeons all in a room. Mm. And it was actually the second meeting of, uh, and I've got it written down somewhere. It's a new organisation. It's a new organisation which was set up in 2022, which is basically transgender surgeons. We can put it in the show notes. It's the international something of transgender surgeons. Um, so it was only their second meeting. Mm. And what was so brilliant about mm. this, I cannot imagine anywhere where you could go and watch 10 surgeons talking together, sharing videos. You watched the same operation, one after another, done by four different surgeons. And it was video, it wasn't live. Uh, but it was so fascinating. And also discovering, and I, I was very pleased by this, a lot of surgeons will do the same or very similar operations for the male-to-female voice surgery. They will do slightly different versions of it, or they will add something else on because they feel it works better for them. And there was, a, there was discussion in the room about, um, you know, they, this person does this version and this person does this, this version, but with this added. And it was really fascinating to see that everybody is doing approximately the same thing, bar two, in fact. Um, eight, eight of them doing approximately the same thing but doing it with their own flavour, doing it with their own style, doing it in their own order. And I love that because what it said is we are all personal. Every surgeon had their own way of doing it mm-hmm. or their own way of doing the sutures or their own way of, you know, getting their way in there. It was, it was so good to see. So that was fun. And uh, then we had a couple of outliers, which was absolutely fascinating. The videos were amazing. There was one that was particularly gruesome, uh, which was the whole um, opening up the throat and working from the outside. Most of the surgeons would work from the inside. So the the care, the delicacy and the care that people do when they are taking bits of cartilage or when they're taking bits of vocal fold or when they're sewing things up is incredible. And there was one moment where one of the surgeons was doing a slightly different version and he had two needles coming in from the outside and a camera on the inside and he was tying knots in inside, he was tying knots in the suture inside someone's larynx. And I just went, it's difficult enough for me to thread something when I got a needle in, my, in front of me. It's just amazing. So the level of skill that you see in something like that. The it, precision is it phenomenal. It felt like mm. such a privilege. Mm was absolutely fascinating. I did a report on all 10 of the the presentations that I saw and I I think it went into two parts because Mm -hmm. it was so Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to be amalgamated so people can watch them on other platforms. On Facebook channel, hopefully, yes. Um, I would like to talk about tremor, vocal tremor. Yes. And this was a presentation by, um, I think, a Belgian practitioner called Yuri Marin. Yep. Did you know that there is a tremor index? 
I thought that was absolutely fascinating. So, you know, there are different types of tremor. They emanate from different parts of the vocal tract. Tremor, obviously, meaning a form of shake, which perceptually would result in a sense of instability in the speaker or singer. Mm. So we have um, in the lower vocal tract, we've got respiratory issues that can cause tremor. We've got phonatory issues, in other words, about vocal fold vibration. Then in the upper vocal tract, we have articulatory. Um, and obviously that's the tongue and the jaw and the lips. And those articulatory things can affect um, the different form and frequencies. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that um, the work that Yuri Marin is doing, I think is going to be really, really interesting. He's just done a pilot project, and I think we need to see where this goes. It's going to be fascinating. I think that's the other thing about mm. being at a conference is that you see research at early, mid and late stages. Mm. And so you see where people are going, you see where their interests are, and you also you can extrapolate what where that's going to go. That is so fascinating. Um, can I sing a song, a Kitty Verdellini Abbott? You can. Yeah. Um, I did a little um, post in praise on Instagram uh, about her wonderful presentation on... What was our actual title for this? Um, motor Learning. Yep. In singing and speaking. Yep. And actually her PhD was in the area of cognitive motor learning. Just one or two absolute nuggets of joy. Yeah. If you're familiar with uh, Kitty Verdellini's work, one of the core aspects is the difference between declarative learning, yes. learning that, and procedural learning, learning how. Yep. And I love she, she sort of told a story from her own background as a singer. You know, when you have a singing lesson and you go out and you feel amazing afterwards, it's fantastic. But you haven't retained it. Yeah. And she said that her best singing teacher didn't say very much, didn't give a lot of feedback. But it was that teacher that took her up to the next level. And she said that on reflection, when she looked back at that experience, she realized that the lessons that she'd loved those good lessons, it was the teacher's brain that was driving her voice, not her brain. Did you clock that? I did, yeah. I mean, I was like, yay! Yes. It was very interesting. And the idea that you could be really good in the lesson and it doesn't transfer outside, outside the room. Uh, Or you can be terrible in the lesson, but somehow you learn something that then transfers into your life. I love that. Yeah. And what she was saying is that, you know, learning is a function of experience or practice. And when we're in the singing studio, it can be in, you can get that in the moment progress. And actually in the moment progress, I would say, belongs more uh, to the masterclass arena. Um, But that in the moment progress might not be retained. You might get slower progress in a lesson or even feel that your student hasn't progressed, Mm. but they will come back the next week or two, three weeks later, and they've got better retention. So those of you who do teach singing or maybe are working with voice, you know, in speech and language therapy clinic, don't despair Mm. if your client or student doesn't get it in that session because that doesn't mean they won't 
ever get it. There is something very powerful as well, and we talk about this with our accreditation program people when we're teaching them about teaching singing, uh, which is what is your goal and what's your timetable as a teacher? Because quite often, particularly if you err on the vocal coach side of things, quite often you are aiming for a, a finished performance, a polished something, mm-hmm. you know, by the end of the lesson. And in a way, we and we say this, that's a false deadline, because if you are aiming to, to reach a pinnacle by the end of the lesson, you're going to have to cram an awful lot into that lesson. And it's quite likely that you're going to find yourself in the situation where the singer goes, oh, that was a great lesson. And then the moment they walk out of the room, gone. It's absolutely gone past you. Because they haven't embedded anything. And that is something that we've had to work on a lot with teachers on our accreditation training. Mm. Because, you know, it's it's kind of inbuilt into us that we want to get a result for our students. We want them not to have wasted their money. And it was for that reason that we invented the one thing rule. Yes. Only work on one thing at a time. Yeah, one thing at a time. And one thing at a time does not mean, oh, we'd like you to do your breathing. Oh, and while you're doing your breathing, remember to stand up straight. And while you're doing your breathing, remember to... No, no, that's more than one thing. And that's not even three things that are related. That's three things that are completely Mm. unrelated. Mm. I also loved something I've got to flip back on my notes um, that Kitty Verdellini talked about, which was about variable practice. Yes. Now, this is something that Jeremy has done for years and years. Do you want to tell them what it is? So we're actually running out of time. We may need to stop there. Uh, But I've got so much more to share. I know. Uh, We'll just have to share it next time. Okay. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr. Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher.